0: (音楽) ¶¶ It absolutely destroyed me. I cried for 30 minutes afterwards and it's something that always resonated with me even if I am very into my comfort and I would never do what he did. <laughs> but I just bought it completely. It's a really, really interesting film about a really interesting
2: person. I think some of the filming is maybe slightly a bit dated and it can come off a little bit kind of cheesy in places but it's it's really beautiful and as we've kind of discovered it's it just evokes a lot of thinking and thoughts and conversations about our meaning in life and our purpose definitely recommend quite highly
1: okay hey everybody welcome to this episode of flicks podcast today i'm joined by matt hello amelie hello and helen hello and we're going to go into into the wild
2: Joining FlixWatcher remotely, we have Emily and Matthew. If you could please say hello to our listeners and tell them a little bit more about who you are and what you do, please. Hello,
3: I'm Matthew Turner. I'm a film critic. I've been a film critic for 22 years and I'm the co-host of the Fatal Attractions podcast along with Emily and our other co-hosts, Paul and Leslie.
0: So yes, I'm Emily. I'm a co-host as well of the Fatal Attraction podcast. So, uh, the Fatal Attraction is about all erotic thrillers. So, we started for covering first the 90s. So, it was all about the erotic thrillers, what we love and hate about them. And now we've entered into the other decades and it's not specifically erotic thrillers. Sometimes it's like thrillers that have some erotic um, nuances to it or vice versa, some neo-noirs with some erotic, you know, aspects. Uh, we've done about 88 episodes or something now, now
3: Yeah, that's right, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's a lot. Never never yeah. thought it would last that long. It's been f- going on for five years, so, but it's doing well. So We're
3: recording our 89th episode immediately after this.
0: Yes.
1: There's always a chance to pivot, isn't there? And is, I mean, the kind of erotic thriller as well as the kind of mid-budget film kind of died away a bit in the, in the previous decade. But I think things like streaming platforms like uh, Netflix and Prime are kind of bringing them back a bit, aren't they?
3: It does feel like that, yeah. And certainly um, streamers are making... I'm making erotic thrillers again, so um, we had uh, the director, of, the writer and director of *The Voyeurs*, Michael Mohan, on the podcast nice. recently, and he was he was fantastic. he was so great that he, he wanted to come back for uh, to do our episode on *Gone Girl* and the um, what's it called *Dark Water*, the the deep the, water, deep water, no dark yeah. water, dark. deep water, yeah. dark water,
0: yeah, dark
1: water. So I can't remember.
0: No one. <laughs> dark water, surely the Adrian Lyne one. Anyway, yeah, the, Adrian, one yes. the Adrian Lyne <laughs> film with Ben Affleck and, uh,
1: and Anna de Armas, yeah. yeah. recently.
0: Yes. So um, anything, well,
1: anything directed by Adrian Lyne is automatically like
0: Erotic. grabs you guys, isn't <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly. Well,
1: I think he he probably
3: gets a free pass whatever he does for the podcast. Yeah. I reckon. Yeah. yeah. Same patron. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, we're here to talk about. Um, is it erotic? Well, we could we could discuss in this in this conversation. We're here to talk about Into the Wild, which is your choice, Emily. Yes. Can you tell us first of all why you chose it, and then? I'll get the timer up and you have 60 seconds to discuss. Oh, ah, okay, so I'll talk
0: about why I chose it first before the, the summary, okay. Yeah,
1: Amelie, you've been on this twice yes. before, you know the rules.
0: Uh- <laughs> I chose it because, I mean, I would have classified it in, uh, in my top 10 of all films of all time, but I think that watching it for, for the podcast, I think it's gone down into my top 20 maybe. Um, <laughs> I think that first when I first watched it, even if my dad ruined the ending for me because it's a true story and he said, oh, but at the end, blah, 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 and I was like, oh, thank you, Dad, for this, <laughs> even if. It absolutely destroyed me. Uh, I cried for 30 minutes afterwards. And it's something that always resonated with me even if I am very into my comfort and I would never do what he did <laughs> but I don't know it's just like I never questioned his uh his quest and for me it's very idyllic I, I will talk about it a little bit more later but I just bought it completely bought into his story and I wanted to know more about the real person so I'll tell you in, in the summary but basically it was called Christopher McKendless he was a real person
1: and John- you want to start a, should I start the synopsis now
0: Let's do the synopsis.
1: Ready, steady, go.
0: Okay, this is a film directed by Sean Penn a- about the real-life story of uh, Christopher McInnes, uh that was first narrated by uh, John Carr, who wrote a whole book about him. So it's a young man who just graduated and decide, he kind of decides overnight that he doesn't want to carry on with getting a normal job, into business or something. He just wants to leave society and live out of the land. And so he gives away his savings, he burns all his credit cards, he doesn't tell his parents or his sister where he's going and he just goes with his Datsun that is destroyed overnight as well. And basically he's just like lives out of the land, meet lots of people, lives of hippies that are at the fringe of society. And... So I'm not going to ruin the ending for you guys. So this is not going to be in the synopsis, but basically you follow him on his quest and his ultimate quest is to go to Alaska. So that's what drives him the whole time, the whole film. And now I only have seven seconds. So I stopped now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Matt, Helen, have you seen this before? Have you heard of this film before? There's was a time, Matt. should I stop that?
3: Yes, I mean, I, I saw it, when it and reviewed it when it came out. Um, so, reviewed but it wrote, for who? for view london i was the film critic for a website called view london for two that's th- why i'm just trying
1: to eke out of you there because i don't think i wouldn't class this as an erotic thriller that you guys would have <laughs> no, <to. laughs> no, no, no no um
3: i was the film critic for a website called view london for 14 years and i and i had to review every film every week back then so yeah i reviewed it back then i hadn't actually watched it since so it was nice to revisit it for this podcast
2: yeah i also saw it when it came out and i'd also read the book as well and um being a Pearl Jam fan it's got a great soundtrack by Eddie bidder so that was <laughs> that was a um a top draw for me but again I hadn't seen it um since then but when you picked it before I watched it I I had quite a lot of thinking about it so I was really looking forward to revisiting it
1: we um I asked beforehand I've said well sent a few questions across and this kind of escaping life as you would traditionally quote and quote it to, you know, uh, forget yourself or live off the land or drop out as hippies used to call it. There seems to be mainly like 99% American film. I can't think of any other.
0: Yeah. So you, you were saying about that. So I kind of thought about it as so well. I think that, you know, it's very anchored in the American society because with the trans transcendentalism uh, movement, you know, the literary movement that was with Emerson mm. and... Um, What's his name, uh, uh, the other one, Thor. So basically, I had to read those books at university as well. And so, it's all about you know, you know, like, uh, in even in Dead Poet Society, you hear about uh, Thor Emerson <laughs> and talking about um, what is it, sucking the lo- uh, the bo- uh, the, ma- um, the marrow out of marrow, life, the barrow, yeah, the marrow out of life. And he decided, uh, Thor, he just decided to go into the woods and live there in this in book, Walden. He talks all about it, and you can see. Uh, Christopher, so you can see Chris reading Thor and um, and Emerson the whole the whole trip as well. So he's very inspired and obsessed with that kind of idea, but it's very idealistic idea, maybe not very realistic as well. But I think that's that's very anchored in American society, that kind of thing. So as, as you said, you don't really see it in other films, in other, you know, cinema. I was trying to think about it. And then, for example, in French films, I haven't really seen it. Mm. But do you think? I think, I mean,
1: France would, I mean, I was thinking about it wouldn't work. I don't think it would work in the UK because people just kind of think, mate, Come on, you're two hours away. (laughs) Fine. Um, (laughs) I think it'd work in Australia. Yes. uh, You know, place like you know Brazil. I'm sure China and India and Russia. Yeah, like Um, the
0: Amazon, or you know. Yeah, Yeah.
1: exactly. and there was a TV show, The uh, Long Way Round, which Charlie Borman and and Ewan McGregor did, but it wasn't really escaping. That was more just like... With the motorbikes. Yeah, yeah, I exactly.
0: love it. Yeah, they've done Long Way Up recently. I need to watch that on Apple TV. Yeah, but TV, um, yeah. Yeah, I think there's... Do there, you know what? I thought of a French film where... So I don't know if you ever heard of a writer called Marcel Pagnol, and uh, so he's done loads of, he, he was a writer, but loads of his films were adapted as well. So there's César, Fanny. Do you know this one, sir? Matt? No? Knowing the French cinema? Do you remember The Glory of My Father and The Castle of My Mother? Like that was yes. released in the 90s. So yeah, so basically, that in that film, and I think it's either one, of, uh, The Glory of My Father or The Castle of My Mother, basically, he's a little boy and he says to his parents, he does, because they go on holiday, to this place in the mountains, in you know, a like completely deserted place, you know, in the mountains in you know, a Provence. And he says, I don't want to go back to society, I don't want to go back to Marseille. I'm gonna stay, I'm gonna be a hermit, I'm gonna stay in the, you know. And then they, they start because it's eleven or twelve, you know, and they start saying, Yeah, but what how are you gonna survive for this? How are you gonna do this? And then he's like, Yeah, actually, no, I need to go back to society. But that's the only thing of, of when I was thinking, okay, we we wanted to just like Leave society on film. I've never really seen it apart from yeah, as you said, American films.
1: I think yeah, because I think you have the kind of um, you know a lot of Americans. Well, a lot of Americans when America was founded, you had a good portion of people land in the in the East Coast and then do the the wagon train to yeah. the to the West. Mm-hmm. So is that kind of built into that. And then you have the you know the hippie movement, like where people did just literally stop working and and drop out. So I think that's and that, that kind of feeds into the kind of films. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, The
2: death of the American dream was pretty yeah. much buried by the time he kind of dropped dropped out of university and society. So I think the American dream was sold so hard hmm. and so many people realized that it was just a dream that it just tends to affect people more in that way. And they have got more spaces to go to, whereas less so over here. But even now, sort of capitalism is Less less a thing for people and people are wanting to save the planet, ditch capitalism. So we'll probably kind of maybe see more of it in real life and whether that is reflected on film. I don't yeah. really know. But
0: you see, there's a people, yeah, in society that I've got a friend, she says that you know she ends very well, she lives in LA, but basically her dream is to have a farm in Portugal and live out of the land, and that's it, you know? Um, but yeah, it depends on because with, with him, he, he goes proper, like Popper, you know, a bit like I mean, sometimes he goes and meets people and work on the farm, so that way he can make a bit of money and actually feed himself. But otherwise, it's just, you know, it's it's just yeah, picking up some berries or something, and you have to be careful with the berries you pick, and <laughs> you know, so.
1: I mean, I I take I, I take I have a few issues with this film, which I'm sure we'll get into. Yeah. Enough, but the kind of the kind of picking the food you eat thing is just like, come on, mate um <laughs> obviously <laughs> um just before going to the film we talked this this film like Nomad land which came out recently mm. when when the Oscar there's Captain fantastic about a family who kind of drop out um and wild as you said yeah yeah wild um and leave no trace
0: mm, leave yeah no leave no trace trace. as well yeah that's yes. true. that's a good idea yeah I forgot about that one so I think
1: a lot of the motivation for me or how, how interested I'm in the film has to do with the, with the the main protagonists um, reason for wanting to leave, leave society. And for me, I just didn't really buy his reason that much. And also I thought it's almost like extremely selfish about the way he went around doing it as well. So, um, yeah, go I on. wanted
0: to talk to you. That's one of my, my points actually. So it's yeah. funny because. When I watched it completely bought his quest, completely like didn't even question about it. And then I saw so many people and they talked to me and they were like, I hated the character, I thought he was so <laughs> selfish, I thought that he was horrible the way he treats people, even the, mm. not just his parents, his family, but the way he treats like people they meet on his, on his quest and everything. And to me, I was like, did uh, like didn't pass my mind at all. Like, the, I think the more I watch it, the more I'm thinking. Yes, it is It is a bit, a bit awful the way he treats his parents, like the disappearing, not giving any, you know, saying how he is or anything. But I, th- I think that he's just terrified they're going to stop him on his quest, and mm. he doesn't want to be, be brought back to society by his dad and his, his mom or something. So I just think that that's why, he, in a way, he's got blinkers. He's got all the, just that ultimate goal, and that's, that's all he thinks about. He doesn't think about how they must feel or something. It's just at the end they realise he's all that kind of thing, but... A bit too I
3: late. Think, I think some of that stuff works in the film's favour. Like, like the audience is essentially in the same. It's kind of in the same position as his parents and everybody who kind of sees him give up. Like, because because nobody in the right mind would give up twenty four thousand pounds to charity and go off and live and live, you know, in the wilderness on their own doing nothing. And I think that's. I think that makes it interesting. There is a kind of purity to it. I think in his in in his quest. And yeah, maybe there is. Maybe it is selfish in the same. But at the same time, he is going out on his own. Without kind of needing other people, he doesn't see himself as needing other people, and I think that does that does make it really interesting, and not something not something that necessarily anybody can relate to, but still something interesting.
2: Well, so he's in his twenties as well. We've all done like pretty stupid shit when we're in our twenties. <laughs> yeah, nothing quite as extreme as that, but you know, and we all kind of like say things that we think people have never heard before and think they're completely profound, but it's just part of growing up, and I think. He probably acts maybe older than he actually is, but he's just experiencing life through a slightly different lens and just because it's different or maybe he's kind of putting his own desires and wishes ahead of that, then people are looking down on him and i I just think he's a really interesting character. I think he probably would have come back had he not met his end you know he kind of felt like he was gonna maybe come back, write about it or, or come back at some point. So I think to sort of write him off as being foolish or selfish is maybe just not looking at it the way he looks at it.
3: And he is writing throughout, throughout the film, isn't he? Like he, we see him going kind of writing in a journal or not, or not necessarily a journal, but we definitely see him writing things down all the time. And he does explicitly say, maybe I'll write a book about it when I get back. So I think that's true. I think he does, clearly he doesn't, There's, he doesn't go out I mean, have got, got no.
1: Pro- I've got no problem with him. Um, donating the money, I thought it was almost like a noble act. Burning the money, I thought was a bit callous because that could have been, again, given to other people. But it was the kind of like disregard for other people's uh, feelings and mainly his parents and his sister in terms, even though at least like a letter or to say, look, I'm fine. Just let me, let me be kind of thing. And I find that, I don't maybe I'm taking a bit too, Personally, for reasons I don't understand. Um I just kind of it's find that...
2: parent vibes kicking in. It's your parents, it's your you're a parent now. <laughs> Everything's like it, my
0: son would never do this to me. Yeah, imagine yeah. if your no, kids think... did that to you, you wouldn't want that. So I guess that's because you're a parent, you feel like this more. No,
1: I think it's more that, you know, having having travelled a bit and been away from home for for like eighteen months without seeing my parents. Um I know my parents my own parents got massively upset like when I didn't speak to them for like Two weeks, even though I knew I was, I was perfectly fine, yeah, they, they kind of knew it was fine. Just but to uh, uh, not even saying anything to your sister, just say, Look, I'm I'm fine, I, I think I'm going too far down a tangent on this, but uh, no, yeah, it, it's, that, that did that kind of did color my my judgment of the rest it, of the film. The
0: biggest,
2: he thinks yeah. about doing that, but in but it, then doesn't, he gives that quarter to, <laughs> yeah, to someone else exactly. because he sees that by doing that, he's giving that other person a chance to connect rather than him so it's almost like a selfless thing mm. that could be perceived as being selfish
1: but then he's he burnt money that he could have used to make that call and the he's he got KLS checks about
2: and... burnt millions it was yeah. the thing you did in the 90s just <laughs> to reject no. society you just sat there burning your money
1: i'm not gonna let him off
2: <laughs> it was only like
0: ten dollars or something wasn't it, it wasn't worth no, it really. was
1: like 500 quid <laughs> 500
0: but it's at the same time you see it you know what it's his life and it also so sometimes i feel like parents they they have you and my, my mom for example i moved to the uk so and i'm an only child so she always says but you left na, na, na. but the thing is parents don't have children for them to be there all the time for them it's a bit selfish as well and i feel that if your parents expect you all the time to be there or like be there to raise them when they're all, when you're older or something it's a selfish act as well it's his life he just decides what he wants to do you know
1: no i mean i, I completely agree with you i mean i've left left UK and lived in Norway for three years and I could tell my parents were like absolutely gutted when I did do. My bro- my brother lives in California now, which I'm sure they they're not a big fan of, but my parents but also my parents left Nigeria and came to the UK, so they did done the exact same thing. So I'm like
0: <laughs> So exactly <laughs> it's
2: And
1: also the same. I don't
2: think your parents were like the parents in the film.
0: Exactly. I mean his dad
1: They're proper arseholes. No no doubt. Yeah. And that's why I keep on leaning on the sister rather than the parents. But also I still feel like you know a letter just to say look i'm not i'm not in a good place but le- just let me be yeah
0: um yeah just to, just to let that. them know that he's alive at least that would have been yeah. the the nicest thing but it's such a shame that at the end basically should i say the end is it really yeah, yeah. Sure I think so. but at the end he just says it's a, it's a it's a sentence i love he says happiness only real when shared so he basically realizes that you know you, you can have all those dreams of fight, like going by yourself entering into the wild going to Alaska but if you don't have anyone to share that happiness is it's not real and you feel really lonely and as Helen said hmm. I think that after that after the whole debacle in, in Alaska you would have gone home or at least gone to the hippie trap, the hippie place you know like stay with other people and everything but
1: he tried to cross the river to go back, didn't he? Yeah, and, exactly. and that's why that's when that's when he became like proper stuck. Yeah. And I do. I think he's got. I feel he's got like a misguided sense of that moral compass. When Christine Stewart, you know, was falling over him, and he said, "I'm not going to do that." And in another film, that would have been, "Hey, let's." I didn't. I didn't realize up until that time she was 16. I didn't realize. She, she was playing a 16-year-old. Um, so I wouldn't have realised that that was in an inappropriate move until he said, like, you're 16, or it came out that she's 16.
0: Do you, do you know what? There's something that I watched, so maybe I watched it now four or five times, and it's something that now I'm like, I honestly don't think he's that interested in sex. You never see me having sex or anything. It, the only thing he's interested is is, is this Alaska going out in the wild. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he's, he's kind of asexual in a way. He's not really into it. So you think
1: that was more of an excuse than... Um, because she's sixteen, I've got a reason to say no.
0: Yeah, but basically he says no, you know. But like, he, I honestly like, do you ever see him looking at another girl and having has, a little thing with a girl? He has the, the, the opportunity
1: girl? when he's with
3: Vince Vaughn, like for example, he could easily be, you know, we're looking for somebody to sleep with at that point, and he doesn't do that then either. So yeah, I agree. I think he is. He doesn't have a sex drive, let's say.
0: No, I don't think so. Yeah,
2: I think also maybe he doesn't want to be put in a position like his parents and end up having. Unwanted yeah. children, or having a family life that is so turbulent, which I think is probably something that might be in his mind.
3: Yeah, I think I think certainly looking at his his parents' relationship would have put him off wanting a relationship. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I mean he's 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 so kind of disappointed and disgusted with his parents with the reality of his parents' relationship. Like he finds out that the, the love story they told about getting together wasn't true, and the actual reality of them getting together is really. Know, quite depressing and and so it's almost like he's rejecting the entire you know institute not just his own Romance. parents but also romances yeah the ideas of being of togetherness in that sense anyway
0: and that's what i think as well is it doesn't just re- reject capitalism is re- rejecting what society expects of you to follow like a certain route because normally you're supposed to have a relationship you're supposed to have children you're supposed to have a house na 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 like a nice job or something and basically he doesn't want any of it
1: No, I I think that's, I think that's honorable and stuff. And I think 100% your parental situation dictates a lot about how you feel and your, your views on life. And I think what he found out about his family and stuff is enough to screw over a lot of kids. Um, So uh, yeah, I do, I, I do get it. I just also, come on, mate. Send you, a postcard.
0: <laughs> <laughs> do you think that the film? So I, uh, I read a friend of mine uh, review on Letterboxd, and you were saying that his he, only um, reproach with the film was he thought they glamorized poverty. Do you think it glamorizes poverty?
1: Were people poor in the film? Or were they, well, were he's they...
0: poor basically because he doesn't have any money, does he? But I think we do see the part in the city where he goes to the shelter and everything.
1: Well, he was, he was poor. Yeah, I mean, he he was poor, but because he wanted to be. I feel yeah. There's, there's yeah. A kind of... poverty
3: is something you're not. You're you are not you you do not is something you don't want, isn't it? It's it, that's not. It's not self
0: imposed. No, so I don't think it's glamor. it's, it's glamorizing poverty because he's not just saying, "Hey, everyone, that's what you should do." You know, like the, the, <laughs> not have no money, just live out of the land or something. But yeah.
1: Um, and before we get to the scores, guys, is there of the of the. Catalog of people he met on his journeys, which is, I think, is the best part of these films, is the people you meet on the journey. Who, who is kind of, who are the most endearing to you, or who do you like the most? Or
3: that's what I like the most about the movie is all the is the supporting cast. It's a really great supporting cast. You know, Vince Vaughn, Hal Holbrook, Christian Stewart, as we said, Catherine Keener. I can't remember the name of the actor that plays Catherine Keener's partner, but he's also great. Yeah, and it's hard to. I mean, and Zach Galifianakis actually is is one of the is one of the Vince Vaughn.
0: Like the guy yeah, I was wondering if it was him. Yeah, it is.
3: It is him, and he, he teaches the him the guy
0: that, that says smoke the deer. or yeah, something, yeah, he
3: teaches him how to how to cook a cook a rabbit or something. Cook, like, shoot yeah. and cook yeah. a, a rabbit and, and smoke, yes. a rabbit. smoke the meat. But he, yeah. I think that was pre fame for him, right? Like I didn't, I don't think, I, I don't think when I saw Into the World I knew who Zach Galifianakis was. Um, so that was a nice surprise on the rewatch, actually. Um, Helen, Amalia, who is your favorite? Uh,
1: for me, I think it's uh, what's his name,
0: Jan and Rini. I really yeah. love them. That group. Catherine Keenan's character. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I love. I love that couple, and I love how they kind of adopt him in a way, and you know, they take him under uh, their wing. And they see, is they, I'm so happy that he sees them again afterwards. He goes mm. and visit them. Is it in Slap City or something? You know, that the the place where the hippie are. It's it's an actual place in the, in America. Yeah, where, where I looked up and. Where he yeah, met Kristen, where he met Kristen well, Stewart. Where met Kristen Stewart. What is
3: interesting is that the film gives you. A kind of catch up with each of those characters at the end even though mccardless obviously hadn't seen them again and they hadn't presumably made themselves known to you know the the writer of the book or anything like that um but you but you get like a short glimpse of each of the of each of the characters at the end of the movie
0: i think it's a uh, crower he actually talks to them afterwards and uh, his sister you know at the end it's narrated by the sister <laughs> the, actually the film, in the film, the sister actually narrates, the yeah, real sister narrates a part of the film as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Really? The real, not the real sister. No, no, apparently there's one point where the real sister narrates as well.
3: One point? Or, okay. Or...
1: Yeah, one
0: point. Not the whole time, but Joe in, in the most of the time narrates, but there's a one part of the film where it's okay. the sister. Yeah, sister voice.
1: Well, guys, I think that's time to head to the scores.
0: I'm Kate Lever, host of Who's a Good Dog, the podcast for anyone who's ever loved a dog. We're one of the other podcasts in the Stripped Media family. Each episode, I ask a brilliant person to introduce me to their dog and tell me how having a dog has changed their life. Listen to Who's a Good Dog wherever you get your podcasts.
2: So welcome to the Watcher scores. The scores are out of five, and uh, we'll start with you, please, Emily, with your recommendability.
0: Uh, it's always difficult, isn't it? Because um, it's like when I when I covered La Lala Land, and <laughs> I would have said five, and then you know you were like, no, but I don't like it. So um, but I do. Rec-
1: I, That's what makes it so fun.
0: Exactly. It, right? I do recommend it very often. Like whenever I see some friends, I say, oh, you should watch that. So I would say four out of five.
3: Yeah. Matt? Yeah, I'd go 4 out of 5 as well. That's what I gave it for when I reviewed it and I stand by that, I think.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Helen?
2: I'm, I'm going to go a bit higher. I'm going to go um, 4.5. I think if you've never seen it, then like I think it's a really, really interesting film about a really interesting person. I think some of the filming is maybe slightly a bit dated and it can come off a little bit kind of cheesy in places, but it's it's really beautiful. And as we've kind of discovered, it's it just evokes a lot of thinking and thoughts and conversations about our meaning in life and our purpose and whether there is some greater inner purpose that you should follow or whether you should kind of follow you know, your own path. And like, if you like Eddie Vedder, it's really great. And if you've seen it when it came out and you haven't revisited it, I think it still stands up. So definitely recommend quite highly.
1: I'm going to go for 3.5. I think I'd recommend the other Walkabout, Lose Yourself films uh, well ahead of this. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, definitely love i mean love nomadland loved um wild see um, not, not as much me
0: not no, as much I at definitely
3: all. i definitely choose this over love stepping,
1: i love stepping out was stop not stepping out um leave no trace leave no trace yeah see
0: all of them i don't like them as much as this one this one yeah. is my favorite yeah i um, think
1: i pick
3: this p- one over the others just partly because yeah. of the, because of the scenery as well like the, the photography is, is, is well really we, incredible we can talk goodness. about
1: that in a small screen score but let's go to repeat viewing score amelie <sighs>
0: I mean, I watched it probably ten times, so. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> so for me, I would say four and a half. It just depends if you like it. If you if you get if you have a grudge against him, if you really dislike him, you're not gonna rewatch it. So. Oh yeah, totally.
1: Yeah. Um Matt, repeat viewing score.
3: I very rarely rewatch films, but so I'd have to judge this on on like if somebody else was going to put it on would I watch it and yes I think so I'm quite high for that for that that's maybe four again uh Helen
2: I haven't watched it since the first time but I really enjoyed it this time around it is quite long so it's not going to be something I'm going to revisit very regularly but um a three
1: three oh, no, I don't think I'll watch this again um <laughs> Five. tears of Ah. <laughs> <Aww. laughs> I was kind of gutted it was Sean Penn directing as well. I was like, oh, look, what's in this? It's
2: very uh, much but... a Sean Penn film. This
0: has got him. <laughs> it pause all over it. Yeah.
1: Um, small screen score, Emily.
0: I don't think it's it, it lacks that much compared, like, for example, I love The Revenant, but The Revenant on the small screen is very, it's lacking. Mm. So I would say three. It translates pretty well.
3: Okay, Matt. I watched this on my iPad deliberately because I knew this, Part of this this part of the uh, podcast was coming up, and I mean, clearly you don't get the big widescreen sweep of it. But I, I guess you wouldn't get that on a on a telly anyway. And your telly is massive, but um, it I'd say it probably does lose a little on the small screen. So yeah, I'd go three as well. Helen,
2: I, I quite enjoyed watching it on um, TV size screen um, didn't really detract that much from it. I guess the thing for me would be that obviously if you watched it on a bigger screen, you'd get to hear any better singing along much louder, which is a big point for me, so, um, <laughs> you give
1: it four? Yeah, I'm going to give it a, I think this, this score and the engagement score are kind of tied for me. I think I lost, um, I think if I'd seen it in the cinema, I probably would have been more into it as well and for, for giving a lot more of the, the challenges I had with it, should I say? Um, and, you know, these films, I think also the, the scenery and um, the background, mise-en-scene, helped to draw you in. And I think, yeah, I was watching on an iPad. Yeah. So I think it, it, it did take me out of it. So it did rewatch it, it'd have to be in a cinema. Uh, but small screen score, I'm going to go for two here.
3: I think I saw it at the LFF. I'm just checking. Um, That's a uh, good one. On line. an iPad? <laughs> um, so so that was, right. I mean, it would have been a press screening, but still it would have been a busy... Yeah. Yeah, I did. LFF 2007. So, um, so yeah, obviously it played really great on a big screen and a, a kind of, you know, looking forward to it audience.
1: And score, cool, Amelie?
0: Um... I would say three and a half. It does, as as Helen said, it's a bit long. So in kind of like the two third of the film, you're like, come on, get to Alaska now. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, it's Alaska the first, but you know, yeah. awesome it could have it could have been a bit shorter, but yeah, I think that for me because it fascinates me. So you know,
3: engagement score is a is a record of what how how it holds your attention,
1: how it holds your attention, how little you feel the need to check your computer screen uh, or twitter or anything else and or go to the toilet and or make a cup of tea
3: oh (laughs) it's a tricky one because because whilst i would like to give it a very high engagement score i was i did have a lot of things to do this afternoon so i was (laughs) so i was checking my phone a fair bit in between making notes um but no it definitely holds the attention i yeah i would say i would say uh four
1: helen
2: Um, I'll go with Emily 3.5 so I think the first time watching it I was more engaged with kind of the scenery and what he was doing and then this time around I was more engaged in kind of the conversations and the relationships that he had and it was also a film watching it this time around because I kind of knew what was happening Um, I paused it a couple of times made some dinner and came back to it and it's kind of got that very laid-back sort of hippie-ish vibe so you can kind of like Take a little bit in and, like, maybe get a drink and then watch a bit more. And, like, you might have a little break, but you can come back <laughs> to it. And, you know, it's it's still going to be there.
1: I mean, I was like that, but the opposite. I was, so I was taking breaks. And each time I came out, so I was like, how's oh, this still going on? <laughs>
3: <laughs> I mean, it is two and a half hours. That so is a punishing
1: yeah. running yeah. time. The
2: book is quite short, just to sort of say, if you, if you wanted to go down the, the book route, the book is very short.
1: <laughs> and how does the book portray Hal Holbrook's character and that relationship? with him is that, is that in there at all or
2: I can't remember um, I suppose, so obviously, yeah, obviously the, there is some contention about the book because the writer is quite famed for adding bits in his stories right. and he's he also wrote Into the Nair which there's disputes over that the one in so in Iceland the, the Everest account the one about oh, okay. what happened on Everest I ah, am yeah. so that,
1: that became the film Everest you mean
2: yeah but yeah. his account of that and what happened there is question so okay so the, the book is obviously based on the, the writings, his diary that he found and the people that mm. he met. And then obviously the film is then one step further. It's obviously Sean Penn's vision of what what happened in that. So I think mm. there probably is a little bit of creative license and interpretation in there, but it's 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 still all really interesting. And if things weren't said exactly in the same way, the, the kind of like the, the meaning and the emotion is there.
1: I think the... Some of the relationships he had, like Hal Holbrook's character seemed meaningful, but at the same time, he almost felt quite empty with them as well. Um, in terms, of, like when he when he met uh, Catherine Keenan partner, and partner, and he just disappeared off in the night. Um, I mean, that's that's kind of his one, book, how he, he was about to disappear off on the on the um, Hal, Hal Holbrook's character who sense of giving him a way to live and sell his nerves a bit and stuff like that as well maybe
2: uh, saying maybe he, he doesn't want to say goodbye because by saying goodbye there's more chance that person would
0: convince him to stay yeah exactly yeah. he doesn't want to anchor someone that t- tells him to
3: stay so he's afraid of the connection as well i think like like he's afraid of be- be- they they catherine Keener's character definitely wants him sees him as like a replacement for their son she reminds he reminds her of their son and he senses that i think and wants to wants to pull away from it
1: um so mine gives him score uh, two point five. <laughs> Sorry, Emily, and that gives us an Every score. time I
0: choose something, you don't like it.
1: <laughs> it was it was Helen last time. I liked uh, you that like La La
0: Land.
1: That gives us an overall score of three point four zero sixty five. Hey,
0: That's not bad. Good. Not too bad. Well, yeah. I'm really glad
1: you weren't going to ask us to add those up.
0: <laughs> we have
1: spreadsheet of dreams, as Helen calls it. Uh, for that. <laughs> Um, Emily, Matt, can you tell us, everyone who's listening right now where they can find you online? And we'll say goodbye to the listeners.
3: Oh, cool. um, you can find me at uh, at FilmFan1971 on Twitter and Instagram, and Letterboxd. Um And I write for Vodzilla and currently Nerdly. But I do, I do the thing I'd like to sort of mention most, I suppose, is I do a Hidden Gems column on Vodzilla, which is basically the best films you probably haven't seen on Netflix, than the best films you probably haven't seen on Amazon Prime. And I think if you're going to get anything out of what I do, that's probably the place to go.
0: And so you can find me on at the only Cleo Luna on Twitter. Uh, I, can't, I don't think on letterbox I'm the same person, but I said afterwards you can you can put it in the notes. And uh, <laughs> you can find us on the on the fatal attract
3: at yeah. at fatal attract pod.
1: Yeah.
0: Yes, on Twitter. So that's it. So if you want to listen to us, and we are on Apple and Spotify, any good app you know to listen Where, to. Basically, podcast, wherever
1: you listen to this podcast on the same one yeah so pretty yeah, yeah. get it from
0: there
1: yeah all right guys thank you very much thank thanks you thanks
2: for coming on bye. Bye. bye enjoyed this episode of Flix watcher podcast why not leave us a five-star review on itunes you can also follow us at FlixWatcherPod on twitter and we're at FlixWatcher on instagram